Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. 865-540-8300. That's the number you need to know if you find yourself needing a criminal defense, a DUI defense, or a personal injury lawyer. Marcos Garza and his team are the premier team in East Tennessee. Lots of experience. Marcos Garza literally writes books about DUI defense. He is the go-to guy when understanding just how badly the state will bungle your case when trying to prosecute you. Before you say guilty, say Garza, GarzaLaw.com. Appreciate him for his continued support of the podcast. I hope you don't get in trouble, but if you do find yourself needing a lawyer, there is one person I would recommend, Marcos Garza. Let's get to the show. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his haircut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch, a Saturday edition, December 1st. Seth Hughes joins us down in Alabama. Uh, sorry about the delay this week. I've been sick. And then, I mean, you tried to do one the other night and just had some um, equipment issues. But here we are right now on the eve of Tennessee trying to hire an offensive coordinator. Seth, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making time. I'm good, John. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. Obviously, you can. You are sick, as everybody can tell. But you're not, you're not complaining about it, but I would like the listeners to know that you are very sick and you have felt terrible all week, but you're still here. Do I sound terrible? You sound sick. You don't sound terrible. Yeah. I'm sure you sound better than you would have when we were going to do the podcast on Wednesday or Yeah, I don't know if I sound I don't know if I sound better than I would have, but I definitely feel better. Yeah. It's like my dad always says though, no matter what happens, just take some NyQuil and everything will be fine. I'm convinced that I could get HIV and if I just took enough NyQuil, everything would be okay. <laughs> just take take a dose and a half. I just chug it straight out of the bottle. I've already chugged half a bottle of NyQuil in like three days. And just chug it out the bottle and go to sleep, and you'll feel a little bit better each morning. And so far, so far that's worked. So shout out to Pops. Shout out to Pops. He knows the, he knows the remedy. I imagine Magic Johnson is just chugging some NyQuil every night before he goes to bed. <laughs> And he wakes up with that million-dollar smile. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I know, like, now, like, now, if you get HIV, it's not a death sentence. Yeah. By any means. But, like, back in the day when he got it, it was. But, you know, whatever. We're not, I guess we don't have to get into that whole conspiracy. Well, what's the conspiracy? That he doesn't have AIDS. Well, is that actually a conspiracy? Yes. <clears throat> that is that is a I mean I, I I believe in the conspiracy that like if you have enough money, we have the answer for AIDS. I I believe in that. Yeah, I mean it, it's a legit thing. I, I don't mean I don't to... I don't I don't buy into him not having AIDS though. I... Or I guess not ha- not having HIV. Yeah. I mean, if you Google Magic Johnson doesn't have HIV, there's several things on there. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's not like I didn't make that up. I'm not saying I buy it or whatever. I think it's just crazy that it's been 25 years and like it never turned into AIDS. Well, I think he has a lot of money and can afford all the proper treatment. Yeah. When and can and can spend three hours a day exercising and making sure he doesn't eat anything bad for him. 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't Arthur, think he would. I just don't think he would have sacrificed his his back end of his playing career and been so yeah. embarrassed. And, and it and you know basically uh, that'd be a pretty shitty thing to be the poster boy for. Yeah, and it's not like he needed money. Although I guess he's made a lot of money since basketball. Maybe the uh, the Illuminati or whatever helped him out there. I don't know. Or the I, government. I'm not endorsing the theory. I'm just saying it exists. It's out there. Okay. I'll let the people be the judge. You know, I'm always down to talk about conspiracy theories. I found a a Twitter thread that was like asking what the conspiracy theory you're convinced of happening, and I, I stumbled across a couple other ones. Stumbled across some drummer who got murdered because he he, he found the secret to teleportation. Have you seen that one? No, I have not. Yeah, let me see if I can find the name of it. Um, teleportation. Basically, he was on the he was on the cusp of. Uh, I'll have to find. I'll have to. I'll, I'll look into it after the. I can't do it right now. Basically, he had found the secret of teleportation, and was murdered because he was about to prove Einstein wrong, and was about to you know. Rot the rot the physics world, and he was murdered. Um, I, Flight ninety three, is yeah. that a conspiracy that the Air Force shot it down? Okay, does anybody does anybody think that the, that the United States of America did not shoot that plane down? I never really thought about it. I don't think. I mean, it's a good. It's a little bit too cozy of a story. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, America can't come out and say they did it. But, like, there are things about 9-11 that, like, you know, we know that aren't said. Like, we know that Saudi Arabia paid, financed all the terrorists. Um, you know, and I, I think most people believe that Flight 93 was shot down. I think most people believe that. Maybe I've just spent too much time on the Internet, and the Internet attracts a – I mean – the internet attracts a sort of demented mind to begin with. If you're into the internet a lot and you spend a lot of time on the internet, and I'm not criticizing, I've spent a lot of time on the internet since I was 17 years old. Um, that's what time you started getting on the internet, 17? Well, yeah, that's when I got my first laptop. Okay. Um, I'd already crashed three PCs by then. Oh, I mean, I went through a ton of desktops. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I played I'd a already lot of I'd already crashed. Up. I'd already crashed two of my mom's PCs by by going to LimeWire, downloading a bunch of stuff. I never did the I never did the file sharing stuff on any of my parents' desktops. But like, I mean, yeah, I spent a ton of time on the internet on my dad's desktop in the study downstairs. But like, I'm talking like you know having my own laptop, staying up late reading you know conspiracies and stuff. Like, the internet attracts a sort of demented mind. Sure. Um, so I, I feel like most people believe that Flight 93 was shot down. Maybe most don't. Maybe I just hang out with demented people on the Internet. Um, but, yeah, a, a conspiracy theory that I'm convinced of, um, well, I think one that comes off the top of my head is the one about the the uh, mattress world or mattress firm. Yeah. Th them washing money through yeah. all their – like that seems 100% true. <laughs> Yeah, didn't they just file for bankruptcy after everyone caught on to them? Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't uh, I want to say that one of these mattress firms filed for bankruptcy? Is it Mattress King that was the conspiracy? Mattress firm. Yeah, they had accounting problems. Yeah, so like all this came to light, and now they filed for bankruptcy last month. Well, there you go. Boom, got them. Yep, they're going down. Yeah. Are you buying into the Haslam conspiracy with this Which is, with this with this offensive coordinating search right now? Are you buying into uh, the board not signing off on on freeze and that's what's slowing things down? That was the big talk last night on the internet. Uh, no, I'm not. Are you? No, no, I'm not. I would, I, yeah, I, I, I was going to be surprised if you said yes because we've talked about it a lot over text and 
we talk to the same people. Yeah. I, I don't think it's that at all. I definitely don't think it's that at all now that Randy Boyd came out and said that because I don't think you can come out and say that and then squash the hire. But I will say that if there is any sort of lingering stuff like that, then we have the right guy as athletic director. Because the only person that's going to be able to tell those guys no and stand up to them is Philip Fulmer. I mean, and if Philip Fulmer wants Hugh Freeze after all the blindside stuff, then that should be good enough for everybody. Um, because I don't think like John Curry or Dave Hart or Mike Hamilton, somebody that's not from UT, somebody that's not from Tennessee, could stand up to the Board of Trustees and get them to back down. But I don't think that's the case here. I think the case here is Pruitt taking his time. And it's not like, I know people are impatient because it's Hugh Freeze. Like, people wouldn't be impatient if we were about to hire Chip Lindsey. Um, but we're barely into the search. And if it, it, it's not hurting recruiting. So, it, I don't think it matters much mm -hmm. if it waits a couple more days or whatever. It seems to me like by Monday or Tuesday, we're going to have an offensive coordinator. I know that VolQuest just said, and I'm not trying to take their information from people that don't, you know, and give it to people that don't pay, but they just said that Pruitt is waiting to talk to Enos. And so, around 8 p.m. tonight, Enos will be free and... It, they made it sound like that's that's the last guy he wants to talk to. So he wants to talk to Enos before making a decision. Yeah, which and I know I know I know that everybody wants Hugh Freeze. I want Hugh Freeze to be my offensive coordinator. I do. I I, I honestly anything outside of a moral standpoint, I don't know how you couldn't want Hugh Freeze to be your offensive coordinator. Um. But Dan Enos would be a really good hire. I do. I do. Uh, I do think it's possible outside of a moral, a moral stand, to say that you don't necessarily like the way the old, the way Ole Miss's offense looked. It was effective, but I, I mean, like just not running the ball enough. I guess like if you're somebody who wants to run the ball. More. So it was definitely it at times it had a feel of being high schoolish. Yeah, like I, I could understand not wanting that, but I will say he's going to be able to attract a different class of player. Oh, for sure, for sure. At Tennessee, like the thing about Hugh Freeze, and I don't want to diminish anything Hugh Freeze did. Sure, he took Ole Miss to the Sugar Bowl, and like whether or not he cheated to get some of those guys, like he still had to recruit his tail off to get them. Okay, like. Tunzel's not going to go to Ole Miss just because of some money or whatever. Like, and obviously the thought process is it would be easier to get those guys to Tennessee. And but the thing, but the, what I was going to say was that his classes at Ole Miss were very uneven. You would have, you know, like three or four, or five stars, and then after that, you wouldn't have a lot of top tier talent. Whereas Alabama's going to get that number of five stars, but then they're going to have twelve four stars. You know, 15 four-stars. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that at Ole Miss. It was very uneven, and so you have to do some different things. And, I mean, I don't think we're going to – I don't think Pruitt is going to try to do that, that, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think Gus – I think Gus Malzahn runs a power run game. I mean, I think Gus Malzahn's offense at Auburn is a power run game, and – Hugh Freeze was his offensive coordinator at Arkansas State. So, and can you really argue with the results when the guy beat Alabama with Bo Wallace? Yeah, sure, sure. Now he beat Alabama. He beat Alabama. I mean, it, now, one of those games was twenty-three to seventeen, right? Yeah. So it's not like the offense lit it up and. Another one of those games, I believe they had a 80-yard touchdown off of a helmet deflection, and, yeah. Al and Alabama fumbled two kickoffs. They scored a ton of points that game yeah. when they won at Alabama. Yeah. 
Again, um, I, I think Alabama fumbled two kickoffs and gave them the ball on the 20-yard line both times. I think. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not arguing with that either. I mean, I think, like – I'm not trying okay. to. I'm not trying to shit on Hugh Freeze. I, I, no, I think that's I my. What you just said. What you just said are, are valid questions, and I think that they have to be answered on the field. And I think Pruitt needs to be careful because you don't get many mulligans. Okay, like Pruitt still has the goodwill of the fans. Like the fans are still 100% behind him from what I've seen, and he's got a chance to go out and he's got a do-over. You're not going to get a do-over at coordinator many times, like the next time you have to replace somebody, it's probably going to be because you had to fire him because he sucked. Okay? And that means that the next guy that's going to be fired is you. So you need to be careful. And like you said, those things about Pruitt are valid. They're 100% valid. I think that every Tennessee fan, if confronted with the option of Hugh Freeze or Chip Lindsey, is going to go with Hugh Freeze. And, like, I don't know enough about Chip Lindsey. Some people rave about him. And I don't think it's his offense at Auburn. But it's going to be disappointing if you go take Chip Lindsey from Auburn. They, yeah. they, they want him to go. Like, he was going to be fired because he was going to be the sacrificial lamb. So Yeah, I've seen that, different things and, about Chip Lindsey. Uh, his offense at Southern Miss – took huge steps from whenever he got hired and wasn't getting to call the plays to year two when he actually got to call the plays. Like he turned Nick Mullins into an NFL quarterback. He he turned him into he increased his completion percentage by like seven percent. Touchdowns by like twenty. The the jump from year one to year two when he actually got to call plays was pretty significant. Now granted, like I don't know if that means it's gonna work in the damn SEC. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean there's just no way to say. I'm not Hugh Freeze or Bust, but I do think you're right in, in in the sense that optically, everyone wants the name brand. Everyone wants somebody they know is a is a successful head coach that beat Alabama. Everyone wants that. It'll be hard to say, hey, we had a chance to hire Hugh Freeze, and we went with either an offensive coordinator who wasn't even getting to call plays on a struggling offense, or Alabama's quarterback coach. You know what yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think, you know, I, I don't think Enos is going to excite a lot of people because they don't know. Like, everybody knows who Freeze is. I'm talking about the average fan. Yeah, sure, sure. But I think Dan Enos is a really good coach. And I think that he has done an awesome job with Jalen Hurts this year. And I know people are going to be like, what? He's not starting. But, like, when Jalen Hurts has played, he's been a million times better as a passer this year. And if you talk to Alabama fans, that is attributed – to Dan Enos, um, there's no doubt in my mind, like that, he, you know, I guess if I, I guess Loxley's going to take the Maryland job, and so Alabama's going to have an opening at offensive coordinator, and every other year Enos would be promoted. I guess that this year they might go hire Hugh Freeze to be offensive coordinator, but that's another thing about Hugh Freeze, and Jason Swain said it. It if you don't hire Hugh Freeze. Your your biggest rival is going to. And so, like, you know, that's something to think about, too. Because Alabama's going to hire Hugh Freeze. I looked at it from a different point of view. I looked at it from, like, because, I mean, a tweeter writes in, uh, James Collins, I believe he's a patron, it says if Freeze is hired, how long does he stay? And best case scenario, we think Hugh Freeze is here two years, right? Best case scenario? Yeah, probably. So it's not like it's going to fix your program long term and you're going to find yourself in a similar situation most likely in two years of trying to hire somebody. And, and, and who knows, maybe you spend a year and a half – two years trying to recruit people to fit Hugh Freeze's system, and then Hugh Freeze's, Hugh Freeze leaves, and you're kind of starting from scratch, either trying to run his system with someone who can't run it good enough or trying to put a new system in, right? Like, those things are likely. But I looked at it from, man, like, Tennessee doesn't have any 
any alum or any people with like Tennessee ties that are good right now in coaching? That's always been something that I that I have complained about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we former, talked. To, we talked. Didn't have a coaching tree. Yeah, we, we talked ta- about it before. We talked about it during the coaching search. Like you pretty much only have Cutcliffe, and his old ass isn't you know stepping down from Duke to come be a coordinator. T. Martin sucks. Jim Bob like, Cooter sucks. Everyone latched on to Gruden because he had some type of ties, and obviously uh, that didn't work out. Like, Fulmer has no coaching tree outside of David Cutcliffe, who is too old now. And now, granted, we should have hired him at some point to be our head coach. I don't even know how you can debate that at this point. Yeah. Um, but, you know – there's no coaching tree, and that is something that is a problem because a lot of times, like, I mean, it's like, you know, just Nebraska. They had somebody willing to come home. Yeah, and it saved them. And it saved them. And, you know, I know they didn't make a bowl, but they looked really good in the year. Yeah, they did. They, they, Adrian Martinez looked awesome. Yeah, they're going to. Uh, I, I saw some – I can't remember who it was. I want to say maybe Brett McMurphy was saying they're going to be a, a preseason top 25 team next year. Yeah, I mean – and he's never going to leave. You wouldn't think so. So – So I looked at it from the idea of like, hey, Hugh Freeze might only be here two years. But at least then you have some type of tie to him because he's going to be a head coach again, right? You think? Well, like Tennessee is his dream job. Yeah. So – but my argument to that is, and I think it's a valid argument, and I don't, I don't want to say that it's not because it is. My argument to that is that if Hugh Freeze does a good enough job as offensive coordinator to get a head coaching job two years from now, then you say, okay, then he must have done pretty dang good with the offense. Yeah. And he set up the next guy to have a lot of weapons. And that is something that we really, like, I mean, we do have some weapons. I, don't, we, I guess we do have weapons. We just don't have an offensive line. Um, and that's, a, like, that's, a, that's one thing to think about is that, yeah, you set Hugh Freeze up to come back to Tennessee and be head coach if Pruitt were to get the Alabama gig, if, if Sweeney said no. And, but you also set up the next offensive coordinator to have a ton of talent. So, I think that there is a counter-argument to that. He's going to leave in two years, and it's not a make-or-break for your program. I agree. I agree with the fact that Hugh Freeze is not a make-or-break for your program. I also agree that Chip Lindsey might be. That if you hire him, it's a it's a break? It might be, yeah. Okay. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Chip Lindsey to confidently say, hey, hire him, like, like I said, there's some Southern misnumbers that say he's good. Otherwise, who fucking knows type of thing. You know, and that's, that's what I was about to say. I mean, like, we can say that for every guy that we've talked about. Dan Enos went to several bowl games at Central Michigan before he left to be the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. Chip Lindsey, if he does good, some Conference USA team is going to hire him. I mean, these are things that everyone deals with. Yeah, I mean, your coordinator your coordinator's a two-year spot regardless for the most yeah. part. If, if he's worth a damn. Because I frankly think that getting two years out of Hugh Freeze would be awesome. I'm afraid of only getting one. Sure. Sure. Because if he comes in here and, like, our offense – let's say he comes in here and, like, our offense is loads better and we, we go 9-3 and three or 10-2, and two, which I think is very doable, somebody's probably going to hire him. Now – Will it be a big enough job for him to be hired at, for him to leave? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to leave for a Conference USA job. I think he's only going to want an SEC job. You would think You would think that would be, you know, maybe a Big 12 job, maybe, since, like, his, yeah. his offense seems like it would fit right in there. But, yeah, you would think that he's not someone who would want to – who would rather be an OC at an SEC school rather than go to a mid-major and go back to being a poor. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like for somebody like Butch Jones, it makes sense, but for somebody like Hugh Freeze, it doesn't. This guy took Ole Miss to the Sugar Bowl and won. Like, he's not going to take the East Carolina job. 
Now, he might take, like, I mean, if, if Orgeron gets, I know Orgeron's getting an extension or has already got it or something, but, like, if the LSU job were to come open, well, then, yeah, I could see Freeze taking that. But, again, that's something you're going to have to, it doesn't matter if Hugh Freeze takes an SEC job and if you hire Chip Lindsey and he takes the Southern Miss job or something, or Dan Enos takes a head coaching job. Like, it doesn't matter where they leave to. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're leaving. Gone. So, I think that's something, and you want to hire, and Saban has proven this. You want to hire coordinators that are going to get head coaching jobs. Yeah, you don't want to hire Mike DeBoard. Yeah, you, you don't want to hire Mike DeBoard. You know, you don't want to hire John Jancic. You want to hire coordinators that are good enough that somebody is going to say, I want that guy to lead my program. Yeah. So, I just, at this point, like, I mean, it really does seem like it's going to be Hugh Freeze. Um, so it's going to be a disappointment if it's not. And I think that people at UT know that. They have to now because the president of the school is coming out and saying, we're not we're not roadblocking Pruitt and Former. Yeah, what did you make of him coming out and addressing it? Oh, I think it's 100% a good thing. Yeah. 100% undoubtedly. Like, it, it, like, they're going to talk about, you know, Oh, it just shows our fans are crazy. Blah. Who cares? We already knew our fans were crazy. Like, but finally, somebody there is listening to them. You had to start a riot last year to get them to listen to us. I mean, a riot's a little extreme. It wasn't a riot. It was just a peaceful protest. It's just hyperbole. I mean, I didn't get a, I didn't get a blowtorch out and light it on fire. We didn't. But now, start, now start, start, start we have a guy about taking initiative. Jews or anything like that. Thankfully, it wasn't like a hate. It wasn't a hate thing or anything. A riot seems a little extreme. I'm in a peaceful riot. It was a, it was a protest. Come on, it was a protest. I hate um, I hate that now I'm the protest guy though, and that every time somebody wants something, they tell me to go to the camp, go to campus. I'm not going to have a damn protest. To hire Hugh Freeze. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. I mean, it was a one-time thing. It was a magical thing that had to get had to be done. And you did it for the people. You got it. You got to You got to hold your. Uh, you got to hold those into special opportunities. Yeah, I mean, it, it can't be done often. Let's be honest. Yeah, you got to hold those I mean, for you, special you opportunities. Bob Lee talking about you. This is not something that can be done often. It's true. Very true. So. Although I was watching the damn, I was watching, uh, I was texting you when I was sick the other night. I woke up and it, the, the Bob Knight 30 for 30 was on for some reason. Like, I don't know why the hell they made a Bob uh, Bob Knight 30 for 30 18 years later. I don't know. I don't know who among us needed that story to be retold. Yeah, but, I couldn't but, tell you. But those protests they were having on campus, even after the video came out of Bob Knight choking that guy, of them saying they were going to hang their president, have you seen that? No, I did not know that. The IU students were having protests on campus, talking about how they wanted to kill and hang their president who fired Bob Knight. Well, that is um, like they had they, out there. they had him in like in a noose. They had like a, a mannequin in a noose. Saying that it was the president of the university for firing Bob Knight. Well, it just seems a little unfair that we got labeled as so crazy. We weren't doing that shit. Yeah, I mean, but it, that's just a geographical. That, that that's just, just talking, a that's just point and look at the southern rednecks, huh? That's just some that's just some geographical bias, undoubtedly. Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, but you know, Indiana can get away with that because they're not southerners. I mean, that, that that's what a lot of this is. That's what a lot of this is. I think I, because it makes no sense for the media to go to bat for Greg Schiano. Like Greg Schiano, I guarantee you, Greg Schiano hates the type of people that are journalists. Like he thinks they're all nerds and dorks, and he loathes them. But they went to bat for him. I guess part of it was they had to double down after it came out that that was going to be the hire. You know, they didn't want to be proven wrong or whatever. And then, but a lot of it, 
a lot of it is just that we're Southerners. Seems that way, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I doesn't seem like it could be anything else. But yeah, I, I just I was I was dumbfounded. A that they're making a Bob Knight documentary, nineteen eighteen years later, and B that yeah those students were like straight up wanting to to murder their president of their university, and what? made and made no made no um, did not make it a secret. We're very clear with how bad they wanted him to die. And it's like, they did it, like, they made this, like, I'm sure the documentary was negative towards Knight, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, it, it pretty much had to be, but yeah, it was, it was from the viewpoint of the guy who, would, who led the investigation into, into finding the video of him choking a player. I mean, he was an employee of ESPN. At, oh, Bob Knight, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, I forgot about that. They did a whole damn, like, night school thing about him. Like, is, is that not weird? I mean, for ESPN to do that after, like, like ESPN is basically tossing this guy under the bus saying, oh, he's terrible, he's terrible. Oh, but by the way, we hired him for years to call basketball games. And did a, and did a reality show <clears throat> that was based on him trying to find tough walk-ons at Texas Tech. Like, it I was him. remember that. Yeah, it was called wow. Night School. It was, like, him – putting all these players through, like, walk-on drills that was basically militaristic and basically what he was, you know, shunned for, being hard-nosed, uh, trying to run players till they puke, just trying to see who was tough enough. I remember watching it. Yeah, it was called Night School. Well. And then they were airing that, yeah, just painting him as a uh, – Yeah, I mean, just burying him. Like, that a, seemed weird to me. Like, that doesn't seem exactly fair, but, hey, you know. What can you do? All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to uh, – I got a new partner we want to welcome to the ranch. Healthy Bean Organic Coffee, a semi-dark roast organic coffee blended with chia, maca, and rebos. So what is all that? Well, it's health. Not just healthy. It's the healthiest coffee on the damn planet. It's got your antioxidants, your protein, iron, fiber. It increases your endurance levels, your health, heart health, your brain function, and a lot more. Check them out, healthybeancoffee.com. Use the promo code RANCHGANG to let them know you heard about it here. RANCHGANG, one word, certified organic, healthy bean organic coffee. Seth, are you a coffee drinker? I'm not, no. Yeah, me neither. But you should be. But I might be now. Try it out. If you like coffee, I'm not going to lie to the people. I don't like coffee, but it sounds like coffee that you should like. I don't know. All right, let's get to some Let's get to some patron questions. Shout out to the patrons. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. If you are down with the movement, uh, get a couple new patrons. We need to thank. I've been putting some updates about the, you know, the offensive coordinator search, things I've been hearing, and – I had a player flat out tell me yesterday. I had an offensive player, a well-known offensive player, a good offensive player, tell me yesterday face-to-face that, yeah, we expect uh, we're supposed to have a meeting tonight to meet the offensive coordinator. That may, you know, I put that up there on the on the Patreon. Obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, it gave a little bit of credence to, like, this maybe getting blocked, although um, we don't know if we buy that necessarily. And... When the report comes out that you are wanting to talk to Dan Enos and all that stuff, it obviously uh, makes it a little a little tougher. But I had a, I had a guy, a, a player, look me right in the eye and tell me that, so I put it up there uh, for the patrons. Then uh, after everything came out last night with the uh, the blocking and people thought the deal was falling through, I said, hey, uh, talking to some people who are talking to some right people and that are saying that uh, Hugh Freeze hasn't been told he's not in the job, that he doesn't have the job, and that he still wants it. So we kept people up to date on that. Shout out to new patron, Austin Watson. Thanks for joining the movement. Thank you, Austin. Love you. All right, let's see. Uh, let's get to some questions. Do you think Pruitt went no, do you think Pruitt went to Butch for advice on how on, on how to handle the difficulties of hiring a new OC? Butch overcame the adversity. Okay. Okay, Derek. It's not a real question. Although like Butch hiring Mike DeBoard whenever they had all that talent in two thousand fourteen. 
like that 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 was the red flag, right? Like that should have been like, hey, this is uh, this is trouble here. That was when it got really frustrating for me. Was when he hired Mike DeBoard, when you had all that talent coming. Yes, one hundred percent. Like yeah. that was because like the other guy that. I know one of the other guys he looked at, I still remember this, is the guy that just got fired from Western Kentucky who, as head coach, but he got hired by offensive coordinator. He got hired to be Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, and he was awesome at Notre Dame yeah. as their offensive coordinator. Like, that guy would have been really, really good. Yeah, and Lincoln um, Riley was, uh, Lincoln was available. Riley, yeah. I mean, but, you know, there's like, I mean, for Butch especially, like the type of offense he wanted to play – like, there are so many offensive coordinators he could have hired that would have done an awesome job. Yeah. And he went and hired Mike DeBoer, who doesn't even want to do what he likes to do, solely because he was comfortable. Oh, God. I hate, all, I hate hiring offensive coordinators. I hate but, I mean, hiring then, offensive coordinators. Then, I mean, then he hired Larry Scott. God, that was even worse. Larry Scott was worse than the board. Dakota right. says, what happens if we hire Freeze and he leaves before Bailey and company get here in 2020? I don't think that Freeze was used to recruit Bailey. It doesn't, see, it doesn't seem like that. It seems like Bailey, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, the big high-rated four-star out of Marietta. Seems like he – it seems like, A, Tennessee just has a really good relationship with that high school because <laughs> they got Ramel Keaton from there too. And that high school is pumping out a lot of talent over the next couple of years, so that's a good school to have a pipeline to. But yeah, it doesn't seem like Harrison Bailey's worried about the offensive coordinator. It seemed to me like uh, Harrison Bailey loves Jeremy Pruitt. Seemed that way. That, that was the the takeaway from the quotes. So it was like he's not worried. He trusts that it's going to get fixed, and he wants to. Uh, to help put a school back on the maps, basically what he said. Kind of shit on Garantano a little bit. It's like looks like they had a little trouble throwing the ball up there this year. I saw that too. I saw that too. That was that was interesting. I thought. I don't think he meant it like that, but yeah. That's the way it. Uh, that's the way it came across. That's the way it came across. So. Uh, got a question about uh, the the biggest need to finish up this recruiting class. I mean, it's obviously the offensive line, right? Yeah, like I mean, I know you got. They have to get Darnell right. Yeah, I was gonna say, I know you got one. You're coming. That's that's a big five star, good. But it feels like you have to uh, combine that with Darnell right still, right? You have to get Darnell right, and yeah, you got to get Darnell right. If you can get both those guys back, and then somehow Trey Smith can get clear and stay cleared, like that would be obviously a uh, a program changer there. I mean, I I don't think that's gonna happen with Trey Smith. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. But yeah. I would. I mean, I would like Drew Richmond to come back. Yeah, I think that would be. A, I think that would be a big help. I mean, you, you you pretty much like, and it's not fair to Jeremy Pruitt. It's not fair to Jeremy Pruitt because it's not it's not fair that he inherited the roster he did. But you have to go land Darnell Wright, and you you have to do whatever it takes, like. You, you really do. I mean, you have to do whatever it takes. Like, Wanya Morris is going to be an early enrollee. That's yeah. awesome. You know, he's going to have nine months of, of getting ready conditioning. Yeah, and getting I ready. imagine that day one next year, Wanya Morris starts. I mean, we're talking about a top ten player in the nation. I think so, especially getting there on campus early. Yeah, and I would think that, you know, I mean, I would think Darnell Wright would start day one. But, I mean, there's no telling, you know. The, the, the thing about getting Darnell right is that, like, you never know who's going to be a bust or not. Sure. But if you sign the top two, or I guess they're the two of the top three. Like, Either way. Darnell Wright's the number one offensive tackle on, like, Rivals and Wanya Morris is on 24-7. And then they're the number three on the one that they're not the number one on. But, like, the thing is, if you sign two of the top three offensive tackles in the nation, the, the chances of both of them being a bust are small because these, these recruiting services are pretty good about these five stars. So the chances of both of them being a bust 
are small. So at least you're going to say, I got one guy who's really, really good. And that is um, astronomically better than what we have now, to say the least. You just got to throw, you got you got to have as many ping pong balls for the lottery as possible. Yep. yep. Amen. Roman says, if freeze isn't announced before tomorrow, can we say it's not going to happen? Do you expect no. it? Okay, so you're, you're, you're not putting a Sunday deadline on it? I say if it hasn't happened by Monday night. Because he's going to have to talk to Enos tomorrow. We know he wants to talk to Enos. You don't think he'll get to talk to Enos tonight? Not in person, I wouldn't think. Isn't Fulmer down at the SEC championship? Yeah. It, maybe it can happen afterwards. Well, I mean, that was the thought process with Mel Tucker, right? Like with Georgia, like he was a – they thought he was going to basically be gone right after the game to go to Colorado. Now, okay. Now Colorado came out and said, hey, that's not true. We aren't even close to making a decision. I was under the impression that you could – you basically interviewed those guys this weekend type of thing. You can. You can. So they might be doing it today. Now, I don't know, like, how – I don't know, like, if Pruitt is the type that's going to interview Enos and then he's he's going to need time to go think about it type of thing, right? I wouldn't think there would be much to think about. Well, that's what made me – that's what makes the Freeze thing a little, you know, disheartening is that he met with Freeze, they interviewed, and he still needs to go talk to other people. Does that not mean that he was – that he just wasn't blown away, or is it a respect thing with Enos, and he wants to give him an opportunity? I think he wants to talk to Enos, probably because people are telling him, this guy's really good. I mean, their time would have overlapped, right? I mean, Enos was at Alabama last year, right? No. Oh, he wasn't? This is his first year? I thought I thought this was his first year. Okay. Yeah, because he was with Brett Belima. He was, he was Arkansas's offensive coordinator. Oh, okay, okay. So he went to Michigan, and he was on staff okay, that's with Harbaugh right. for like a month or whatever. And then Alabama came, and he took the Alabama job. I mean, I'm looking at it right now to make sure. He was at uh, – let's see here. I can't – it doesn't say on his Wikipedia how long. I mean, he took Central Michigan to three straight bowls and then left. I, I really okay. don't know why. Um, you are such a loud typer. It's be- I think it's. I don't. Know. What are you looking for? He was at Arkansas from 15 I'm, to I'm, 17. He was at Central Michigan from 10 to 14. I'm looking at how long he was at Michigan for. He was at, he was at Michigan for six weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, um, he was going to be their quarterback coach. And okay. Associate head coach. Okay. 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 Yeah. So he's just been in Alabama this one year. I got you. Yeah. You know, one thing that is weird is that McElwain's not getting any looks at offensive coordinator. Say that one more time. Like, Jim McElwain has gotten no looks at offensive coordinator. I mean, is that surprising? I mean, he was good. He was a good offensive coordinator. I mean, nobody's looking at him. He won the East twice. I mean, his offense was so shitty at Florida, though. I, I just thought somebody would look at him. Um, but well, the initial know. report was that we were going to look at him. Yeah, there was that one report, but that... Thank God that didn't come to any uh, – it didn't, come, didn't to come to fruition. fruition. Thank God. That would have been tough to swallow. That would have sucked. Sterling wants to know, would you, rather t- would you and Seth rather talk to uh, talk UT football for an hour with Stuart Mandel or Dan Walken? Mandel. I'd go with Walken. Really? I think Walken at least knows Tennessee football. Like, I think being – he's, what, from – he went to Vandy and then yeah. worked in Memphis for a while. Like, he's a condescending prick, don't get me wrong, but I, I, don't, I don't think Stuart Mandel is probably even aware of what's going on at Tennessee the last 15 years. That's probably fair. Now, I don't know if that makes it better to talk with Walken, but – I think I, they both would suck. I mean, I, I interviewed Walken on the radio in 2015, and he, he wasn't that bad. He was a little prickish at first because I just kept asking him why he hated Tennessee, and he was like, are you actually going to interview me, or is this all we're going to do? Because I got, I got more important things to do. <laughs> he tried to big boy you. But then we had a decent conversation. Like, he wasn't bad. Mandel just seems like uh, – I, I, I don't know. 
Uh, only time I see Mandel even, you know, be relevant is whenever he's just being condescending. Yeah, I mean, I that the, the stuff about Shiano the other yesterday, I guess, was pretty lame. I feel like, but you know, I mean, I don't expect anything less out of these guys. And there's just something about the name Stewart. <laughs> do you know anybody named Stewart you like? I do not know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't say that I do. Uh, how much does would, would Hugh Freeze increase your level of excitement? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Okay. Like, it's not just the on-the-field thing. It would be like we have a head coach who is going out and getting the best offensive coordinator available. You know? Mm-hmm. And, like, Tennessee's going to pay for him, and – like, Pruitt's going to fix what was wrong with the offense. Because I, I really don't think Tyson Helton was going to be back. I mean, Rob Lewis, they, on VolQuest earlier this week, like Monday, or around when the Tyson Helton stuff was coming out, a guy on VolQuest asked, like, from 1 to 10, what were the chances that Helton was going to be back? And Rob Lewis said 1. So, like, I really don't think Helton was coming back regardless. Yeah, it seemed that he was getting out of there one way or the other. Yeah, like, and I think this was the best way to end it. Sure. Tennessee's not having to pay buyout money. Yeah. And we waived we waived his buyout. Did you see that? Yes, I did see that. Why did we do that? And it makes me think that it was kind of just a, we were going to fire you either way. Like, we're happy you're gone type of thing. And maybe it's just a selling point with other coordinators. Like a good faith thing. Yeah. Tech Vol asks, what is our comfort level with Freeze? Says he can get over his running around in the NCAA stuff, but people in real life don't seem to be as enthusiastic as Twitter. Well, what does your dad think? I feel like he's a good measuring stick of this. What's he think? He wants Freeze, yeah. He's over it? Yeah, he's over it. I feel like he's a good measuring stick for that. Just yeah, good, he wants Freeze. A good Christian family man. Yeah, who has he's, seen, not, he's not torn up about that kind of stuff. I who, mean, who has seen the ups and downs of Tennessee football? Like, where, where's he at? He, he just wants to win. Yeah, he, he just wants – you know, I mean, he's just like, go get the man. I he, mean – He's not going to be able to cheat. That's that, that's what I was thinking too. Recruiting like, he's not going to be able to do that stuff. Now, he might bring some extra eyeballs to Tennessee. And if Tennessee's cheating, that might get brought to light. Like, that might happen. And I do think that is maybe worth considering, right? Inviting eyeballs to from the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's worth a consideration. I'm sure they've mulled that over. Yeah. You Good. know, I mean, I'm sure that's something that has been mulled over. I mean, we obviously know every SEC school cheats. It does seem like Tennessee, uh, I don't want to say it's been more aggressive than others in cheating li- lately, but, like, there has been an uptick in recruiting. Yeah. Pruitt comes from Alabama. He knows how to play big boy recruiting. Um, all I'm saying is that hiring Freeze would bring some extra eyeballs. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's been thought about. You know, I'm sure that the last thing that Jeremy Pruitt wants is the NCAA snooping around, trying to figure out how he's getting some of these guys. Yeah. And if, you know, I'm sure that's been thought about. I'd hope so. These guys are smart. I mean. I'd hope so. I, you know, I think if it wasn't thought about, it. Hugh Freeze would probably already be the, the offense coordinator. Maybe. You know, if, I mean, if like if there weren't these questions that have to be answered about Freeze, I think there's a good chance he would already be the offense coordinator. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Jake asked, if you could only have one, the Dr. Pepper quarterback contest or a basketball halftime granny shot competition, which one do you like better? Dr. Pepper. I hate the Dr. Pepper. I hate the chest pass, man. The chest pass is the chest pass is pretty gay. I hate the chest pass. I miss the field goal kicking ones. That's the ones I liked. Field goal kicking was good too. There was no fake in the field goal kicking. Yeah, you can't you just have to boot it. You can't chest pass that shit. You gotta go in there and just boot it to the moon. Yeah. There was no fake in it. Practice. That's the only way. T C zero two four says, fill in the blank. I do or don't believe a damn word Randy Boyd says because dot, dot, dot. (sighs) 
Because he's Haslam's guy. So you don't believe a word he says because he's Haslam's I, guy, I, or you I do? I thought I was just finishing the statement. No, out he's saying that. whether you do or don't. Basically, it's a two-part question. Do you or don't you believe a damn word Randy Boyd says? I, I do. Okay, and you do because of why? I just think it would be monumental. It has nothing to do with him. I think it would be monumentally stupid for someone to come out and say that and then for it to come out. Because it's going to come out if this hire gets blocked. It's going to come out. Sure. It would be so stupid to have done what he did last night. Now, that being said, being stupid is something Tennessee does. So maybe. I guess I would say that I believe it because it would be stupid to say it for no reason if it wasn't the truth. Like, you could have easily just not addressed it. That's, yeah, I mean... Now, that might be a really dumb reason to believe somebody, but, like, he just could have easily just kept ignoring it. Uh, yeah, that, that would have been the easiest thing in the world to do, just pretend that he didn't see it, but he didn't. He came out and said pretty emphatically, hey, I, I'm not blocking this. We're... This is all on Pruitt and Fulmer. One more, and then let's get to an NBA quiz. Uh, Blake wants you to power rank the men of the Bush family. Um, HWW Jib. Okay. Are those the only three? There's another son who's like lieutenant governor of Texas, maybe. I don't know anything about him. Is he a, a head of or below Jeb? Probably a head. How big of a loser do you think Jeb feels like? Uh, he, how does he have any self-esteem, man? I don't think he uh, – it'd be impossible. It would be impossible. You'd feel like the biggest loser – Yeah, he has to like. Uh, yeah, I mean. Do you imagine just, the Do you imagine the amount of shame that at least his brother felt? Like I don't know. I don't know if HW how cognitive he was during the the last election. But did, can you imagine how much shame W felt watching Trump punk him and then beat him in the election? I I thought about that like. This family, like Jeb Bush, was bred for political life. Yeah. His entire life was built up for the 2016 presidential election, and he was considered a shoe-in. And he got hammered by Donald Trump, a guy who basically, like, Donald Trump's campaign – was basically, I'm going to take the things that Vince McMahon does in the wrestling <laughs> ring, and I'm going to put it, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, put it in a political campaign. Well, Donald Trump is a WWE Hall of Famer. Yep, and it worked. He is a Hall of Famer. All right, NBA quiz time. We're going with the Phoenix Suns, currently four and eighteen, and in prime position for the worst record in the NBA this year. I'm ready. You know much about the Phoenix Suns? We're about to find out. All right, let me set the over-under. I'm going to set it. You can definitely get one, two. All right, we'll just go with uh, – I'm going to go with four. I usually do halves, but I think three and a half is too easy. I think four and a half is too hard. So I'm just going to go with four. Okay. So Devin Booker. Okay, yeah. The guy that played at Arizona, um, I mean that, uh, Aiton. Okay, there's two. <laughs> mm -mm. Okay, maybe I should have said it three and a half. Hey, just hold on. I'm Give holding. Don't, hey, relax. Don't get mad at me because you don't know any Phoenix Suns. Eric Bledsoe? No, no, Eric Bledsoe's gone. Eric Bledsoe is uh, – they, they traded him last year after he tweeted, I don't even want to be here anymore. And then tried to come out and say that he was talking about a hair salon. Yeah. Well. He is now in Milwaukee with uh, Giannis. Well, I guess they're awesome, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, going from Phoenix to Milwaukee seems like a downgrade in weather and city, but 
going from you know the Suns and Devin Booker to to Giannis, definitely an upgrade. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm drawing blanks. Wow. I, and I gave you way too much credit. I said it at four. They're like the worst team in the league. Okay, hold on. Just let me think. No, you're not going to get anybody. I shouldn't have said it so high. I'm trying to think of who they drafted before DeAndre Ayton. I shouldn't have said it so high. Like, give me their uh, – yeah, I, I don't know. Give me who they drafted recently besides Ayton. Uh, this year they drafted a guy from Villanova, an older guy. No, doesn't do it for you. Um. Oh, you were asking. It's not Phil Booth. It's um. I can't remember who. Who the hell is Phil? Phil Booth. Bo- he still plays for Villanova. Okay, I was gonna say who the hell is Phil Booth? They didn't draft the white dude, did they? McCall Bridges. No, the white guy. Oh, Bridges. Okay. White White Dante is in Milwaukee. He's in Milwaukee. McCall Bridges. Yeah, this is a shitty roster. They drafted uh, this guy from Kansas in the top five a couple years ago. Josh Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Um, God, they got a, such a shitty roster. Uh, they got a couple of veterans. They got a couple of veterans. Two of them from Houston. They got they signed Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson. They got old ass Jamal Crawford. Yeah, you were set up for failure. I should have said. Oh, Jamal! I did know Jamal Crawford because he did something the other night. He had a game winner the other night. He won him a game. He won him a game. That's what it was. I made, and then and then they drafted that uh, that seven foot one foreign guy, that dragon bender guy. They they drafted him a couple years ago too. God, what a shitty roster! Like, who is their general manager? Well, now it's James Jones. Is he good? Well, he used to play in the NBA just like last year or two years ago. He's oh, that James Jones, LeBron's boy, the guy who LeBron would take with him everywhere he went. That James Jones. They're letting him be the GM right now, and he basically helps LeBron. LeBron and the Lakers needed a center. They needed a backup for JaVale McGee, so so uh, James Jones bought Tyson Chandler out. They cut Tyson Chandler and agreed to a buyout so Tyson Chandler could go sign with the Lakers. I knew Chandler played for the Lakers, so he came from the Suns. Yeah, usually those buyouts happen like in in like February. Or March. But, James, but James Jones helped his boy out. But James Jones says, you know what, LeBron, I owe you a bunch of millions of dollars and a couple of championship rings. You're my boy, so I'm going to help you out right now by cutting Tyson Chandler like four games into the season. That way he can go help you guys. I mean, did that not piss the Suns off? I mean, the Suns don't care. And the Suns, like, it helps them. It, it helps with the veterans whenever you do that just because agents appreciate it type of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it, it should have pissed, pissed the rest of the NBA off because the Lakers desperately needed a back, backup big man. They're going to have to play, like, Kyle Kuzma at the five or LeBron at the five. Instead, they get to have old-ass Tyson Chandler out there batting rebounds backwards. Is um, Are the Lakers good? Like, they're, they're in the playoffs right now, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's early, but yeah. they've, uh, they've figured it out. They're going to be a playoff team. Like, LeBron's probably – in the top three, in the top four of MVP conversation right now. They're 13-9. and nine. They've won seven of their last ten. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're straight. They're in good shape. They're in good um, shape. Who's been the biggest disappointment? The Jazz? They've, yeah, they've been up there because Rudy Gobert sucks now. Like, Rudy Gobert can't play defense anymore. And that's a problem because he's supposed to be, like, their defensive stopper. So that's an issue. Um, I mean, the, the the Houston Rockets are ten and eleven. So they still haven't gotten it together. It sucks because like everyone keeps getting hurt. Like James Harden was out, Chris Paul was out. Like whenever they play together, they're pretty good, but they just never get to play together. They're always like one of them's always hurt or suspended or something. Yeah, I mean, I was like looking at the standings the other day, like maybe yesterday. The Clippers were in first place. Yeah, that seems like. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think that's something that can continue. Oh yeah, no doubt. But like, I do think it. I do think it's going to uh, to help them moving forward. Like, they might be in position to 
they might be in position to to sign some big time free agents next year. Like Durant might end up in with the Clippers because they have a pretty really? good they have a pretty good young team, and obviously Steve Ballmer seems uh, like a fun owner to play for. They seem like they got a pretty good nucleus right now, and obviously it's Los Angeles, and you don't have to be dwarfed by LeBron. I think the Clippers might uh, might get a big time free agent next year. Like, so can the Warriors just not re-sign him or what? I mean, no, I mean they can. He just apparently wants to leave. So he wants to leave. Yeah, I mean I think it bothers him that he doesn't get any respect. Like I know he acts like a badass on Twitter, or like in the media, acting like nothing that anybody says phases him. But I think he's actually like really sensitive about it. I could see that. I mean, he seems like that type of guy. Yeah, he seems like he doesn't like being told that he ain't shit and that they don't need him. And that's what Draymond told him, basically. Like, Draymond told him the one thing that you can't tell him, which is basically you're a bitch and we can win without you type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he, he has always seemed like he is kind of soft mentally. Uh, not, or he has feelings, I guess. He has feelings. He has feelings, is how I would say it. That, yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to find with other players. And, like, I mean, he was the guy with the Thunder. I mean, he – and now he's – I mean, I guess he's still the best player on the Warriors. Well, the Thunder protected him, man. Like, no one ever criticized him when he was in Oklahoma City. He had the one issue against the Grizzlies where they called him Mr. Unreliable. Yeah. And – the newspaper had to come out and apologize for it because Durant got so mad about it. They had to come out and apologize for calling him Mr. Unreliable because he's that sensitive. Like, imagine if he'd have been in New York his whole career. Like, they would have been killing him. Yeah, he couldn't have taken that. And, there, mean, they, like... and there, yeah, they had to apologize for calling him Mr. Unreliable. So going to L.A. seems like not a good idea for him. I mean, with the Lakers, probably not, because I don't think that would help his ego. But with the Clippers, maybe. Like, the Clippers have never won anything. Uh, who is on the Clippers team? Tobias? Yeah. Tobias? That's the thing. Is like they, uh, I mean, they got a good rookie in Shy Gilgis Alexander. Like, he's a stud. So, he's, he's good. People like him. Um, I mean, Gallinari's straight, I guess. Montrez Harrell's actually been really, really good as a six-man. Yeah, is, is Doc Rivers still their coach? Yeah, yeah. Somehow somehow Doc Rivers outlasted everyone else. Yeah. He outlasted, he outlasted Austin Rivers. He outlasted Chris Paul. He outlasted everybody else. Somehow. And Blake Griffith is in Detroit. And Blake Griffith is in Detroit. Man, that sounds awful. Who is their head coach? Dwayne Casey. Oh, okay. The coach of the year with the Raptors. They fired he, him, and he, he got, landed on his feet quickly. He, he landed on his feet, and they've been okay. Who is the Raptors coach? Somebody named Nick Nurse, who looks like you just have to Google him. He does not look like an NBA coach. Nick, what? Nurse, N-U-R-S-E. No, he does not. He does not look like an NBA coach, but, you know, obviously they're balling. So maybe it worked out for both people. I don't know. Every time I see Nick Nurse on the sideline, I just get confused. He doesn't seem like he belongs. I don't know. They're really good, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're 19. I Kawhi will, will resign there. They're 19 and 4. I mean, maybe. Like, I don't think he's going to find a better basketball situation. In Toronto, it, it, I, I don't know how Toronto is. I don't know. Like, does, he also, I know L.A. is, like, closer to home or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he but might go to the Clippers as well. He doesn't seem like a L.A. guy. I just don't think he seems like the type of guy who wants to be number one on the team. So, like, maybe he, maybe he would like to be the number two behind LeBron. I don't know. Or maybe the number two behind Durant in, in, with the Clippers. God, who knows? All right, Seth, appreciate the time. Uh, call your shot, offensive coordinator, 
Hugh Freeze, Enos, who you got? Um, Hugh Freeze. I'm going with Hugh Freeze. I'm still going to go with Hugh Freeze. No, no, nothing's been said that he's not, that we're not, like Volquest is still saying he's the guy. Uh-huh. You know, me and you were talking to other people who's saying he's number one. Randy Boyd shot that rumor down. So of other people, I'm no. still going to say that it might not have happened as quick as we wanted it to, but I'm still going to go with he is the guy. Nothing's came out that has said anything other than Hugh Freeze yet. So we're, you know, yes, we're correct. Right. Like, well, you know, we've heard that, you know, he, he didn't, and he might not need to because him and Lindsay are friends. You know, he didn't take his staff to meet Chip Lindsay. He took his staff to meet Hugh Freeze. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't need to do that with Lindsay because they're such good friends. But I, I still say Hugh Freeze. All right, Seth, appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. Um, take us out.